Hello and welcome back to the Off the Dome podcast. How is everybody doing today? I hope you guys are having a wonderful day. I hope you guys are going out and tackling things, getting shit done, being productive motherfuckers. Um, what a weekend we had. Uh, playoffs are heating up. It seems to be like one side is now all but over. It looks gloom and doom if you're a Dallas Mavericks fan. Um, and on the the eastern side, it's like the Wounded Warrior Project. His bodies are dropping like flies. We'll, we'll get to that. Um, but I want to start with the west. Um, I just... Dallas, man, it just they're, they're they're just the worst. They're they're the worst. Don't they're worst enemies right now. God, can I fucking talk? They are their worst enemies. They they just keep finding a way to to lose these games. Truthfully, I mean, you could look at, at this series and go, uh, they they could be up right now. I mean, they just they can't find a way. I think a big issue with them is is defense. They lost game three, one hundred nine, one hundred. To Golden State, um, and and really, it's, there's a trend forming now with the Dallas Mavericks. These in these two games that they've had a chance to really win, in my eyes. If you go back and watch, they have a def- defense issue late in the games. It's not they're they're shooting as much now. Now, granted, they are living and dying by the three. <clears throat> and Jason Kidd kind of talked about that how he wanted to change that going into game 3 and I thought they did a really good job in the first half and of attacking and driving and if you notice Golden State was running a man to man and they were doing an excellent job of getting to the paint and just playing bully ball and and it was they were doing great at it I mean it was a close game they were they were really pushing Golden State but then you go to the second half and Golden State went to a uh, a zone, a three-two zone, and it was like night and day different. They were like, you know what? You're not gonna get to the paint anymore. You're not gonna bully us, play bully ball no more. You're going to have to shoot the ball. We see the trend in this series. You, you, you're not shooting well. You know what? Beat us shooting the ball. That's what we want you to do. We want you to shoot and beat us. And, and they just can't. Other than Luca, right? It's just it, nothing's falling for him. You look at the three-point shots. Maxi Kleber, he's 0 for 5 from threes. Spencer Dinwiddie, 4 for 10. Yeah, you know, four, you'll take that. That's not not the best, but, you know, he's dropping 26. 8 for 8 for the line. You, you'll gladly take that. So you got Luka, who's, he's 4 for 9. He hits some just some just wild shots, man. Some, some threes, the one before half, wild. Even late in the game when I was pretty much over, and they did have a chance late, but they only had a chance late because he was making some deep threes. I was like, you could just when they were going, when he was putting them up, you're like, yeah, that's going in. Wild. Uh, Brunson, three for six. Who I thought he was a little, he was a little shy, and he kind of faded away. Um, he, I mean, he did drop in twenty, but he kind of faded away. But Bullock, he had a terrible night. He's on he's on the floor 40 minutes. He's 0 for 10 on from the field, 0 for 7 from 3. So Golden State's daring him. Hey, shoot the three. You want to live and die by that? Here's the noose. We'll hand, we're handing it to you. And and Dallas just could not buy a bucket. They were as a team. They shot 28 percent from three, and it's just not going to cut it. Especially when the Warriors are 
semi-on. They don't even need to be on all the way. If you're shooting that poorly and you're just digging yourself into a grave, it's it's now there's not much you're going to be able to do. They don't have to play that great to beat you. And really, they gave them chances. But if you go back and watch late in these games, Dallas cannot stop nobody. They're scoring, but they they refuse to play defense for whatever reason late in these games. This is the second game now where they just can't get a stop to even give them a chance. You know, they're make, on the offensive side, they're making a shot, but it, they're going tit for tat. So Golden State's scoring a bucket, and then Dallas is scoring a bucket. Well, obviously, they're never going to catch up at that rate. You know, you shoot a two, we'll shoot a two. You're shooting threes, we'll shoot threes. You're not playing any defense. It's too, it's, there's too many easy dunks. Clay Thompson getting late dunks in the final minutes of the game, that's just unacceptable. You cannot allow somebody to get a easy driving dunk. That's just unacceptable late in the games. And uh, there's just, I don't see Dallas, obviously, I don't see them coming back. I don't see them being a team that's going to come out of this. I don't even know if they win the game. They may sneak one, but I, I just, I, they, I don't see it. If they have a recipe for success in a negative way, they don't play defense or they're playing poor defense, especially late, not even giving themselves a chance to win the game, and they can't buy buckets. They're streaky teams. Shooters are, you know, shooters are going to shoot, uh, and, and I see the confidence is, is just dropping with the Dallas Mavericks' uh, other guys, if you will. Maxi Kleba, he was afraid to shoot the ball. He only took five shots. He was getting the ball, and he was just he was overthinking him. He, he was in his own head. He was in his own way, and... They're just they're just not ready now. It's just, just they've come they 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 surprised the hell out of a lot of people, especially me. I I didn't see them beating the Suns, but here we are. But now it's just like, man, I'd almost rather see the Suns here. But that's neither here nor there. It's the Dallas Mavericks. They're here, but they're just they're just too poor of shooting. I, I, and I'm really truthful. I think Dallas needs they need a big. They they would benefit so much from a a, a big body. Uh, just a true big that can that can take over the game. They need like a DeAndre Ayton or or, or just somebody like that. You know what I mean? Uh, somebody that can they can get in the post and, and let these shooters shoot. It's it's a lot easier when guys can you know get to the post and in in many ways Luca does that. Jalen Brunson kind of does that for a, a guard, but I, I think they would benefit more from a a big. They need somebody that can. A, play defense. They need a rim protector for sure. They, they lack a rim protector. I know they got some guys, like Kleba kind of does that, but he's not consistent with it. Uh, Bertans can kind of be get, get like that, but he's not a, a great defender by any means. So I, I just think Dallas is their own worst enemies in this series. They're going to look back in the series and they're going to go, we wasted a, a golden opportunity, no pun intended, Golden State Warriors. But they really, they really did. They wasted an opportunity and they're going to be kicking themselves watching the tape because there's two games I truthfully they should be up two to one they really should be two to one um, they've had both games they just they're not giving themselves a chance and and really Golden State's not playing the best basketball to be, in my eyes I, in my opinion they're really not but you got to give credit to Andrew Wiggins first of all that let's talk about that dunk the dunk was nasty He's playing out of his mind. Playoff, he has a playoff career high 27 points. 
Yeah, Curry's he's feeling himself this game. It, it's at any moment these guys can start popping off. It's like the Golden State knows how to flip that switch. They got that championship pedigree, that championship mentality. They know how to kick that up when needed. But if just watching the series, there's I don't see how Golden State right now is the favorite to win the championship. The way they're playing, truthfully, I think if either one of these teams could beat, I think any one of these teams in the East can handle the Golden State, either the Celtics or the Heat, and we'll we'll get to that on the Eastern side. Um, so it's it's just it's, I don't understand what Dallas is doing, but you got to give credit to Golden State. I mean, they're, they're, the championship pedigree shows with them. Um, the one issue I am finding with Golden State is is and you've seen it, it this game. Draymond Green, I love Draymond Green. He's fiery. He's he's a he's a gamer. He's he's you get you need a guy like Draymond Green on a team. He does a lot for them, and it's not just what you see uh, in the stats. He's just one of them glue guys. He he runs the offense. He's he, he works well with him, but his that dude needs to just really. Tone it down a little bit. I mean, he's really... You get to the the, the finals, he's going to end up call, hurting these this team with the, with the technicals. I mean, he's getting silly technicals. Holding the basketball, you know, in game three, he's sitting there holding the basketball, um, and then he just keeps going and going and going. At some point, you got to know when to stop, especially for Draymond. He's already got a target on his back. He's already, you know, the refs are already, they look at him like, oh, he's... He's this guy. He's got this stigma with him, so he he should already be on alert with that, anyways. But he just needs to. I and I love that passion, that fiery. But he takes it to a level where it's like it's not needed, and you just want. You would just wish that he just tone it down, because at some point he's going to cost these guys, and it's it could be a situation where he gets so many technicals, and he has to you know he's done it before in playoffs where he's had to miss games. He's had to miss a game because so many technicals adding up. So it's like at some point you gotta just take a step back. You're not gonna win every argument with these referees. I mean, you're just not. I mean, that's part of the game. I get politic and the refs. Hey, did I get your calls? Well, you know, I need you know you're chirping at him, but he takes it every night to a level, and they're already got eyes on him as it is because of how he the stigma that is that it, that runs with him. So it's like. At some point, you got to be like, man, chill out, dude. Uh, you're you're going to hurt this team, and at some point, we might not be able to recover from... Right now, they're benefiting because, as eh, whatever, they can recover. They're up 3-0. They're, they're moving past it. But you do, this against the, you do this against Miami or Boston, whoever makes it out of the East, and in the finals, it's going to end up... That could swing one game here or there, and it, it, that's going to be... I think it's going to be pivotal, so... That's the only issue, really, I see with Golden State. They're really a complete team. I love Jordan Poole stepping up. Now, he didn't have the greatest game, but he didn't, really didn't shoot much either. He's two for four, but he hit the dagger three when it was needed. He really has kind of stepped up and been a guy that they can rely on, and they kind of need it with the way Clay Thompson's coming back from his injuries. They need a guy that can come up and score. We've seen him put up 28. Uh, you know, he's, he's putting up numbers. So he can be that guy that can... Light him, light a spark, light a match, and with Clay not being him, you know, he's not himself, right? He's not the old Clay. We all kind of, you know, see that. But he's kind of he's coming back, and 
But they need a guy that can step up, and, and he's really been that guy for them. And, and so they're a real complete team. But that's the one thing they just need to really just like they got to tone that down because with Poole and now Wiggins, I think Wiggins, what he's doing defensively is great. Uh, now offensively, he's kind of stepping up and being a big big guy that they big piece they can have and count on. Uh, so, and it's just, especially now with the whole Otto Porter injury, you hope he's back. Um, that'd be a key piece that they've been leaning on. He's a big defensive guy. Um, he's dealt with injuries it, throughout his his career quite a bit. So you, you hope he gets back. So they're really deep, but that's the one thing. The, the whole Draymond Green stuff. It's just at what point are you got to realize, hey, I, I, I'm costing the team here. It's not worth it. Let it go. But I think this series. It's obviously it's all but over now. I don't even know if Dallas wins a game. Even at home, the way they played at home up to this point, I just, I think they're going to come out and like, ugh, we're out of it. You know, it's over. It, 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 we're done. I, I think they're going to be deflated. The air is going to be out of them. I just, I just don't see them even win another game. But uh, they, they, they got the, they got a good solid one-two punch with Doncic and Brunson and three fiddle now. If, if Dinwiddie can be consistent too I, I think they need to build they can build off what they have it's just they need different pieces they don't have the right pieces to fit that team they're not a complete team they're missing a, I think a, a big defensive guy I think they need a big guy a, a solid big man um, to really complete them and I think they could they could be back in the situation to, to be contending for a title the way, the way Luka single-handedly, I mean, plays, man. It's just his performance alone, you don't need much. You just need the right pieces with that guy. And he'll take you as far as you want to go. So, and then over in the East, uh, what I've come to realize, so, so, so game two, uh, or excuse me, Game three, Miami takes it 109, 103. They're they're gonna play tonight. Game four should be interesting, and we'll get to the preview in game four. But I, I want to take a look at game three. Um, really, it's if you look at these games and if you look at this series total, I'm almost wanting to say I think Boston is. The better team, and that's coming from my that's my my Miami Heat. I'm a Heat fan, but truthfully, I think Boston is the better team. The reason they are down two games, or excuse me, they're down one game, two to one turnovers, and and that is probably the sole reason is turnovers. If you, you go back, game one, they lose one eighteen to one oh seven. What happened in that third quarter? They got sloppy with the ball. Turnovers. They lost a turnover battle 16 to 12. Not a big difference, but their turnovers were huge, and it led to that big run, that 39 to 14 run. You go to now, you look game two. They win by 25 points, and you go to look at their turnovers. Nine turnovers. Miami had 14. 
So they had swung. Now, now they're not. They they toned down the turnovers. Big difference. Game three. Miami has eight turnovers. Did a great job with the ball. To twenty three for Boston. Twenty three turnovers, and they lose one on. I mean, they're losing the turnover battle, but it's still a close game. So. If you, you take some of them turnovers away, you get rid of the, those silly turnovers. And it's and what's crazy is it's their two stars, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. Tatum has six, Brown has seven. You take those turnovers away, I, they win. They should be up 3 nothing. truthfully, in my opinion. I think they should be up 3 nothing. They've looked like the, the better team, the more complete team. And... It's just the turnovers that are, are really hurting this team. But, and and Miami didn't even have Jimmy Butler. Jimmy Butler leaves. He only plays 20 minutes. He leaves. He's got eight points. Yeah, he's injured. That should have been a game. That should have been, like, they should have been, like, sharks. Blood in the water. That's when they got striking with the irons hot. Tyler Hero, he was non-existent. He was 4 for 15, 0 for 6 from 3. He's had 8 points. You tell me Jimmy Butler and Tyler Hero have 8 points and Boston loses? Yeah, I would I would have told you, shut the fuck up. You, you No. Now, the one thing that did happen, in which I called out Bam Adebayo here last, last time. I said Bam Adebayo needs to step up. There's no reason that dude uh, should be shooting only... Six shots. He shouldn't be going three for six and have six points. There's no way that he should have did that when they lost by 25 in game two. I, I said he needs to step up and he had, needs to have a great game. And he came out and was aggressive. And especially with Jimmy Butler out, that was huge. Tyler Hero not playing well. Huge. He's 15 for 22 from the field. 31 points, 10 boards. Six assists. That's huge. That's how Bam Adebayo needs to play. He is a very skilled big who can do anything on the floor. When he is shooting, when when he's attacking, that dude is damn near unstoppable. He's a he was driving, getting dunks, making difficult fall away jumpers. He gets to that lane, he backs down and does that turnaround jump shot, mid range jump shot. It's 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 a beautiful thing to see. I mean, it really is. He can take over a game and control a game with his play. But with, with the issue with him is a, it's a confidence issue almost. It's like he he doesn't know when to, to be assertive and, and, and it's the streaky. Uh, he he's so willing to be the second fiddle, but he doesn't need to be. Get the ball. He should be getting the ball and driving that offense. Point blank period. He he has the ability to do it. He's it should be one A. It shouldn't be Jimmy and Bam. It should be not one and two, but one A, one B. I mean, they, there's no need for them to. They both can't be aggressive. Jimmy, when Jimmy Butler's aggressive, Miami plays great. When Bam's aggressive, Miami plays great. There's no reason both them guys can't be aggressive and take over the game. I mean, truthfully, we haven't seen that. You don't even see the full potential because these guys aren't taking over. So I, I, I love that Bam came out and he really set the tone for the game. I mean, he was just amazing. And they needed and when they needed it the most. It could have been so easy for him to just shy away and, and back up and let, you know, like Kyle Lowry be the be the leader and take over. 
No. He did what he needed to do. He stepped up and he was great. But uh, if you look at it, Boston just... And Tatum didn't play great at all either. You know, he was he was one for seven from three, three for fourteen from the field, and they're still they were six points down. If they would have just limited the turnovers, twenty three turnovers, you're not going to win a game with a turnover margin of twenty three to eight. I mean, you look at it, they shot better from for three than Miami. They shot Boston shot thirty seven percent. Miami shot thirty three. Boston shot better from the field. 48%. Miami shot 46. And Boston had more free throws. Now they shot worse at the line, 76 to Miami's 85, granted. But they're taking more shots. They shot 20, they shot 30 free throws to Miami's 14. So across the board, they were the better team other than turnovers. And that is in my opinion, the only reason that's stopping Boston from being up. At least up 2-1, if not 3-0. That's why I say Boston is the better team. But now, looking at uh, Game 4, Marcus Smart's up in the air. Uh, Robert Williams is, is hurt. They're saying he's going to be available for Game 4. Now, they say Marcus Smart's a, a game-time decision. So, I mean, they're battling with injuries, but so is Miami now. Tyler Hero's going to be out. He's got a groin injury, and you wonder maybe did that affect him in Game 3 when he was just kind of playing through it. I don't know, but I kind of made the joke, you know, like the Wounded Warrior Project. These guys, this is turning into a, a series where all these guys are getting hurt. You know, they had Al Horford uh, hurt in Game 1, didn't play. Uh, same with Marcus Smart. Um, but it it's just, it's it's tragic right now to see all these injuries. Jimmy Butler is, is told he's going to play. Um, he's supposed to be back with that knee knee injury. It's not to be too serious. He should be, you know, they're saying he's not going to miss the game tonight. Um, so we'll, we'll see what happens there. But, I mean, there's the, I just think the Celtics are squandering opportunities, almost like the, the, the Mavericks are. The Mavericks did. But, uh they're still in it. You know, they're not down 3-0. It's different. If they go down 3-1, and, and I don't know. I don't know if they'll be able to recover the way they're eh, fighting through injuries, but they just got to hang on to the ball. Tatum looks – Tatum is looking real sloppy with the ball. Um, and and Jalen Brown, too, with seven turnovers the last game. But Tatum just – he's had these streaks where he's just very sloppy. And it'll be interesting to see uh, foul trouble because there's been um, – that's been a big thing with Tatum too. You know, he's he's not just an offensive guy; he is a defensive guy as well. So he'll play, but he'll give you everything on both ends of the courts. But sometimes that gets him in trouble on defense, uh, getting in foul foul trouble. They can't they can't get him in foul trouble. He can't be out early, especially if they're going to be down Marcus Smart. I think that plays a big factor. Um, I, I really do, I really believe Marcus Smart is a key piece to, to Boston winning this series and moving forward. So you hope he's back, but. It'll be interesting. That'd be the thing to watch is the the turnovers. If if Boston comes out and and they're at some point they get sloppy again with the ball, you better you best believe Miami's gonna they're gonna take it and run. And it'll be interesting now with Tyler Hero out who gets minutes. I, I think we're gonna see a lot of. Uh, I would I would assume we're gonna see Duncan Robinson. So this it's that's a new element. He hasn't been playing. He lost minutes. Um, 
I, th- I think he'll get some time. I mean, obviously you got Gabe Vincent who's playing good. Max Struess is, you know, them guys, them two guys have had moments. I think uh, Oladipo, uh, for what it's worth, he, he's he's given him solid minutes and not great. Um, if, for my money, I, I'd like to see more of Duncan Robinson. Uh, a shooter like that just doesn't, you know, he just doesn't lose his, his shooting. The only way you're going to, uh, get him out of there is by get him out of what the slump he's in. Is just get him out there. I mean, I, I don't know how you don't have that guy out there. He's just a game changer. The, the shots he can make, he's key to the three point shooting. Um, and Miami's a bit of the same with the Dallas, where they they live and die by a three, but they <clears throat> they can find ways to get back in it better than Dallas can because they have a Bam out of bio. They have a big that can take over a game like he did in Game Three which I expect to see them come back out, um, right back out, and and do the same. He's he, He's got to do the same. Um, we'll see how that goes, you know, especially now with Jimmy. You don't know he's how, if he's 100%, how he's going to be, how much time he's going to play. You know, if he's going to play, he's going to play. He's not going to be on, like, a minutes restriction. I know that Jimmy Butler is. He's not going out there and, you know, half-assing it by any means. It's not the guy he is, so... I wouldn't expect any of that. So it'll be interesting tonight. A pivotal game for sure. It's about the only series in you know, the West. It's, I, I think it's done. It, I don't. I don't think Dallas puts up a fight. But this. This is going to be huge tonight. It's pivotal for Boston. I think all the pressure's on Boston, even though they are at home. Um, they do have that going for them. But man, like I said, I think I think the turnovers will tell the will tell it tonight. We'll see how that pans out um last episode we talked about i gave you my top five quarterbacks if going into you had one season to win a super bowl and you you just you know money's off the table you're not you're not worried about what you're having to pay in a salary cap if i could have one guy at each position for one season who would I take going into this this 2022 20, season? Who would I take? And I gave you my top five <clears throat> last week, and I didn't go against the GOAT. Um, and if you didn't check that out, go check that out. Uh, you might be I, – I think you might be surprised at my top five. I, I think the top, the top two is hard to argue, but other than that, I, you might not agree there, but – uh, so we're going to do the same thing here now. We're going to do the running backs. My top five running backs going into uh, this next season. I get them for one year. Who am I going to have? And I, With today's NFL, it's, it's, it's hard here because a lot of teams are going to – they're not just having one guy, right? You're having a, a – a lot of teams have a one-two punch. You know, Green Bay with A.J. Dillon and Aaron Jones. Why I left Aaron? Why I wouldn't take Aaron Jones? I didn't. I didn't have him. Spoiler: didn't have him in my top five. And and not just because he splits, because obviously he he could be great if he was just the one guy. But you see a lot of these guys go one two backfields now. It's not just a. Not everyone's the Tennessee Titans. They don't just give Derrick Henry the ball thirty times a game and and we're just gonna pound you till the fucking sun comes up. Uh, that they're, they're, most teams aren't doing that. You see, even Cleveland, even with top tier guys, with Nick Chubb, right? Nick Chubb last year, second in the league in rushing. 
and they got a great one too with Kareem Hunt. So you see, even the the best guys are are, are getting you know snaps taken away. But with that being said, let's jump into it. I'm gonna start with. My guy that just missed the cut, my six. If I had to have a six, this would be my guy. And truthfully, before before I give you my six guy, one other thing. This was a lot harder than I thought this was going to be with running backs. I really truthfully thought, eh, whatever. There's, you know, it, the league doesn't value running back like they used to. It's not going to be. Uh, it's not going to be that hard. There's, you know, whatever. This was really hard. Like, uh, other than my one and my two. It was hard to, to fit these guys in here. I, I, I was really struggling to be like, oh, I don't want to leave him off. I can't leave this guy off. Wait, 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 what about this guy? I can't leave him off. And it's it's it was a lot harder than I thought it would be. So we'll, we'll jump right in. Um, number six, I have a guy that really I think is undervalued unless you're talking fantasy football. I think he's a fantasy football stud. But other than that, no one really considers him to be like a top running back in the league. For what he gives you. And that's, I went with Austin Eckler. Uh, that dude, uh, he's been consistent too. It's pretty wild. He's consistent. Um, what he can do catching the ball out of the backfield, uh, running the ball, he's great. He, there's, there's really nothing you can't do with him. He is, uh, I mean, last year he's 12th in rushing. He had 911 yards. And mo- for most of these guys, these top heavier guys, what separated them is the, uh, the attempts. You know, he didn't get as m- nearly attempts. He played 16 games, only missed one, so he's pretty reliable. Uh, and what he can do, I mean, he had 12 rushing touchdowns, and what he can do with receiving in is ridiculous. I mean, he gives you everything. He is, to me, he is Christian McCaffrey without the injuries. You know, now Christian McCaffrey's been, the last few years, he's just been, He's been struck with injuries, right? He can't stay on the field. And, you know, he only played seven games last year. Um, 442 yards. He's all the way down at 49th, you know, in yards. Um, which, to put that in perspective, uh, just, by, just by the way, Derrick Henry only played one more game than him, and he had 500 more yards. Which is just, that's just mind-blowing to me, but... That's that's besides the point. But so Austin Eckler to me is just one of those guys. He's a he can he's a do it all guy. He is I say a more consistent Christian McCaffrey. He is an an upgraded version of what um you seen with Cordell Patterson in Atlanta in my Falcons. What that guy was doing. I mean he was single handedly like the MVP of that team other than Kyle Pitts. Cordell Patterson was literally doing everything. So I'm glad we, glad we kept him. On a side note. But obviously, I couldn't put him on the list. But so I went with Austin Eckler. But I really found it hard. Uh, and and I'll tell you who I struggled to when you when I revealed the, the top five. I'll tell you who I, I had a hard time. You know who should be that sixth guy? Who should even be the fifth guy? It was the, it was a struggle putting guys in there. Uh, so moving on, top five now. Five. I went with um, Alvin Kamara. So I struggled with this, but I went with Alvin Kamara. Um, he has had some injury problems. You know, uh, you look last year he only played uh, 13 games, but you know, the last few years he's he's struggled with some injuries, um, staying on the field. But it's still the the production, the proven production that he's put out. If if I was wanting to go into a year 
Alan Kamara is also another one of them guys. He can do it all. He can catch. He can. Uh, he's he's a great. He's great at running the ball, but he's also improved a lot in in his catching, right? And once he's one of them guys, you get the ball open space, and he's he can put some moves on and and turn a a one yard little dump off to a house call. You know what I mean? He's just one of those guys. He's fast. He's got that top end speed. Uh, he he's a do it all guy. He's not afraid to lower his shoulder, and you know even though he is a saint. Uh, you know, division rival, whatever. I, I couldn't keep him off the list. Uh, he, he's great all-around guy, and he's one of them guys that just, he can do anything. And for me, I, I like those guys. Uh, even though I am, I, I still, I still like an old school, just give this dude the ball, and he's just going to beat you down. Because I, I like a guy at the end of the game, you can just, you know, you get a lead, he handed the ball, and he just wears out linebackers. He gets to the point where nobody wants to fucking tackle him. You know what I mean? You get a guy that's a big body bulldozer, wrecking ball type guy. That that's more of my style running backs. But it's hard to not to deny those guys, especially in today's NFL, to deny those guys that can just do everything for you out of the backfield. Uh, so I ha- I had to put Alvin Kamara on on this list um, at four. I had Dalvin Cook. Uh, Dalvin Cook's been one of those guys who's just consistently the last uh, five years he's been great. I mean, he's just been one of the top guys consistently. You look at his numbers the, the last last few years. Uh, last year, um, last season, he's fifth in, in rushing with 1,159 yards. Um, and truthfully, compared to the other top five guys, other than uh, Nick Chubb at 228, he was the lowest attempt guy. So he's getting the yards. He's averaged he averaged four point seven uh, a carry. Uh, he does have kind of a fumbling issue. You know, th- three fumbles. Um, he's he has been kind of known for fumbles, uh, which is uh, but for thirteen games. You know, he he was out there. He he was productive. Um, also, another guy that can. Uh, catch the ball out of the backfield as well. So another do-it-all guy. Um, he's got the moves. He can hit a hole. Uh, great patience. But he can put a move on you in a, in a hole. You know, you, you get into Oklahoma drill with Dalvin Cook, and, and he can do a couple things. He can shake you out of your boots or he lower your shoulder, and he's he, he can sit you on your ass as well. So he's not afraid to do either of those. So I, I like that about him as well. I think he's just always been a constant in, in Minnesota, you know, Another great running back out of, for the Vikings that they've, you know, been blessed to have <clears throat> with running backs. So uh, I, he's just one of those guys I, I couldn't keep him off the list. Um, and then at three, now this was tough uh, because I, I have Nick Chubb because this guy, for what it's worth, the the with him splitting time with Cream Hunt, you know, Cream Hunt's eating his, taking away his carries, right? Um, and he's still productive. He's second in the league in, in rushing uh, with 12.59, uh, eight touchdowns. Uh, didn't miss, He only missed three games, so 14 games. He's consistent. He's a big body guy, but he's so fast as well. He's one. Of, he's my more of my style of running back. 
He will just bully you over. He's he's a brute, uh, strong, physical, hard-nosed player, but he's also fast, and he's just consistent. Um, just an all-around beast. I mean, it, it, one of them guys in this league, he's just been the last few years, he's been a productive and, and a constant pro. So, I mean, you just can't deny him off this list at all, um, especially for Cleveland, who's struggled. Um So he's just one of them guys where it's like, man, do it all guy. Uh, and then number two, so one and two, <clears throat> one and two is tough. Um, I it, it was a back and forth, and these guys are kind of the, the big names now. Uh, you can hear about them. At number two, I have Derrick Henry. Uh, really, you can't go wrong with either one or two, but. I mean, we'll get into one, I, but but Derrick Henry had two. Was just he's the king. I mean, what, what can you say? I told you the stat earlier. This dude was ninth. You want to hear something fucking wild? This dude was ninth in rushing last year with nine hundred and thirty-seven yards, and he fucking played eight games. He only played eight games, and he was ninth. The next guy behind him, Damian Harris for New England, played 15 games. That's seven more games. And he had fewer yards. That's fucking nuts. That doesn't even make sense, dude. It doesn't even make sense. And, and the big knock on Derrick Henry that everyone says, well, it's easy to get that many yards. It's easy to have all these stats when you're, you're giving the ball so much in Tennessee. They don't have quarterback... And they just run the ball all the time. That's even more fucking impressive to me because, especially the way he plays, he's a he's a physical, brute type running back, old school, smash mouth. You're gonna fucking tackle me. You're gonna fucking pay. Type guy. He's my kind of running back. And it, it, and if it weren't for some injuries that he's had, he might be one. Truthfully, he might be like. You could take him one and I'd have no problem with it. He, But he just, he's just a hard, I mean, he was averaging 117 yards a game last year. 117 yards. The only other guy that, that averaged 100 yards a game rushing was my number one guy. So, uh, it's just, you can't deny Derrick Henry. This is, and for as long as he's been doing it, and he's deceptively fast. I mean, the 99-yard run that he had on uh, Thursday Night Football a few years ago, the countless mean stiff arms. I mean, he sent people to different fucking realms with his stiff arms. The dude is a fucking tank. And and anyone that wants to try to come up with excuses as to why he's number one, you're just a fucking hater, man. Plain and simple. The dude's a beast. You can't deny it. I... There's no way in hell he's not one or two. You can argue, I, I I could argue three through five. You could you could interchange anybody you want. I mean, AJ Dillon. You couldn't go wrong with AJ Dillon. You couldn't go wrong with Josh Jacobs. My only knock on him is injuries, and he doesn't he doesn't get a lot of yard yards. I mean, he's just he he kind of he's just. Almost like a one-trick pony. He just—he's a Derrick Henry, but doesn't isn't as productive 
and he's just a, a mild so. But you could so you could put he'll argue any of these guys, a, a handful of guys for three through five. Zeke, you can have Zeke on there. Or knock on Zeke is his fumbles, uh, and sometimes he can just fade away. But I mean, he has been pretty consistent over the years. But so I mean, you could argue a lot of these guys, right? The three for five. But you're not denying Derrick Henry, and a guy that I have at number one who's arrived. And some people might be saying, uh, it's a little too early to judge this to to jump on this." But you, you, right now, going to next year, you cannot deny a guy that had 1,800 yards, and that's Jonathan Taylor for the Colts. Did not miss a game. Averaged five and a half yards a carry. Had 18 touchdowns, averaged 106 yards. He's the only other guy. The only knock, I, I would say, the fumbles. You know, the fumbles got to come down. But when you have 332 attempts and you only have three fumbles, not bad. I mean, like Dalvin Cook, in perspective, had 249 attempts, and he's, he had three fumbles. Uh, Antonio Gibson, for Washington, had 258, and he had five fumbles. So, I mean... Three fumbles, yeah, but he had 332 attempts. I mean, it's way more than anybody else. So you're touching the ball that much, you're bound to happen, but still no excuses for fumbles. You don't want to have any fumbles. So if you're, there is a knock, I would say that's it, but even then it's like I'm not even that worried about it. When a guy has 1,800 yards, has that many attempts, and doesn't miss a game, that's fucking impressive. The dude's fast, strong. I mean, he's been a fucking – I mean, he's got it all. I think he's and he's getting better at catching, right? Not wasn't really uh, known for his receiving coming out of college, but he's a guy now that yeah, I think he's you've seen it late. Yeah, he's starting to uh, work on that more, and that's even more scary. If that dude becomes like a complete running back, I mean, it's pff, game over. The Colts don't need to do much. I think Matt Ryan's gonna fucking love that guy. He's never had a true running back. You know, he had Devontae Freeman that one year, and. Kevin Coleman, that, that you know, that year they went to the Super Bowl. And look, they went to the fucking Super Bowl and he was MVP. So, I think Matt Ryan's going to fucking love Jonathan Taylor. As long as he stays healthy, that, that's going to be a fucking great thing for him. <clears throat> but if I'm taking a guy, I'm taking Jonathan Taylor. He's my number one. And like I said, you can switch him for me, uh, Derek Henry and, and Jonathan Taylor. Uh, you can make an argument for either one being number one, but... Uh, uh, I'm on the Jonathan Taylor bandwagon right now. That dude's a fucking hoss. I mean, he he's 600 more yards than anybody else. And, he, and it's not like his average dropped because he had so many attempts. No, he's just fucking balling out of his fucking mind. Dude's wild. So if that's if I'm taking a running back, that's, that's who I'm taking. So there's my top five list. Uh, again, just outside the top five, my six, my, I have... Austin Eckler, five Alvin Kamara, four Dalvin Cook, three Nick Chubb, two Derrick Henry, and at number one, uh, Jonathan Taylor. <clears throat> I think uh, next week, right? Next week we're going to do receivers. Well, maybe we'll do that tomorrow. Do we do that tomorrow? No, no, no. We'll, we'll save that. Either next week... Yeah, but ah, I gotta drop. I gotta give you guys my uh, division predictions. So that might be a Thursday, Wednesday, Thursday. We'll see. We'll see. Next is gonna be receivers, regardless. Receivers, which is gonna be interesting. I'm, I need to kind of mull this over. Uh, I, it, it's I gotta give it some thought here. So 
we'll, we'll go, uh, at probably Thursday, you'll, we'll come out and uh, we'll, we'll give release my top five receivers. Regardless, receivers are next, top five. Uh, it's fucking loaded. I mean, you got Cooper Cup, Justin Jefferson, Devontae Adams, Jamar Chase, Debo. I mean, you got Tyreek, Stephon Diggs. It's going to be hard to fit top five. I already have a fucking headache thinking about it. Who am I going to have? And this will not include tight ends. We're just going to do wide receivers. And then we'll, you know, we'll leave tight ends as their own own thing. So we'll go top five wide receivers um, next. And tomorrow I'm going to be giving my predictions for AFC North. We're going to do NFC North next. <clears throat> What I think about that division, I'm going to predict who I have from top to bottom. Who's going to win that division? Uh, a little preview. You got a you got a wild division. A lot's changed in that division. Obviously, you got you got a lot of unknowns, right? You got a rookie quarterback in Pittsburgh. You got who the hell's going? What the fuck's going on in Cleveland? Right? We don't know. I, I know this. There's no chance in hell Baker Mayfield fucking sees the field in Cleveland. But again, that would be the most Cleveland thing to do is to fucking keep him and start him and just be an even more disruptive bunch with the whole Deshaun Watts situation. That's So, a lot of uncertainties. Lamar coming back. You know, he's had some injuries and they've been falling short the last few years when it comes to the playoffs. Uh, Bengals coming off the Super Bowl. Are they going to be... What are they going to do? What changes have they made? So it, it's going to be interesting. While it's an interesting division, I don't think it's one of the tougher divisions. It's just more of a intriguing division because there's a lot of moving parts and a lot of still a lot of unknowns, especially with Cleveland. And, you know, and what does the Steelers do? So that we'll dive into that tomorrow. Um. So, yeah, that's going to wrap this one up. I hope you guys have a wonderful rest of the day. I hope you guys fucking conquer, take over, be fucking great, and I will see you guys in the next one. Peace.